The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. Jean, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Elizabeth. Did you read anything interesting on your way up here? No, I did not. I slept actually on the way up here. Um, nice. We were we were talking before. I just have to bring this up about our dogs. So, <laughs> and you were saying you were having a dog. Uh, your your dog had a problem with barking, right? Yeah. My dog was a rescue. Doesn't bark. Doesn't bark. Doesn't bark ever. No, and she. I know she can because like if you like step on her by mistake or whatever, she'll, she'll yell out. Yeah. Um, and we got her as the sweetest little dog. She's like five years old. She's a Cavalier King Charles. Oh, we got about a year name? ago. Well, her name is Lavender. Sometimes Aww. we call her Penelope. Don't ask why. <laughs> but she doesn't. And we live in like an apartment building in Philly. Obviously concerned about, you know, dog, dog does not bark as well. So that was. Is she um, your dog or your kid's dog? Our dog. Our oh, dog. Nice, yeah. Nice. I mean, our, I mean, our kids love it and all that. But our kids are in college now. Yeah. So. So you didn't like have the, the dog for the kids and then they left? We did. We had a dog before. She was actually an insurance dog. We had the world's greatest <laughs> dog ever named Fudge. And we had him for more than 14 years and we had to put him down in the Aww. spring. It was awful. And uh, I never recommend. It's just horrible. So Fudge, our dog, we knew he was on his last legs. Yeah. And about six months before we put him down, we got this other dog. Yep. Because we knew that we'd be crushed when Fudge went down. Yes. And we were. But at least you had this other dog then yeah. to, like, you know, sort of help with the pain. So you um, work from home. Does she work with you? Yeah, like, she's, she, so she's she around. She out in the yeah, office. Yeah, she's around. And what is your home office set up like? It's all a um, desk and a sofa, separate room in the apartment, very quiet room. And, um, and that's it. I mean, I have, you know, I have a laptop. And a landline. People, they go, I get questions about landlines now. And that's another topic for another day about communications in a business. But I'm coming across more and more companies don't have phone systems. Yeah. No phone systems at all. They have like a virtual hosted system. And again, we can talk Google about phone. this later. And then everybody has cell phones and smartphones. And that's how they. So I, even in my home office, though, I have a landline because I need that. You know, I think the re- reception is still better. The clarity is better. Yeah, I totally agree. You can. We we just tried it before. We were calling someone from a, a mobile phone inside <clears throat> a building. Yeah, and they could not hear us speaking. Right. It's like, well, I'd really like a landline yes. right now. Yeah. <laughs> so there is still easier. a reason to have landlines nowadays. Depends on on your business. Yeah. You know, what you're doing. It's good to be old school. Once it in is. A while. It is. Old school is still okay. But for the most part, you're out on the road. Yeah. So I'm like, again, we have, I have 10 people in my company. Everybody works from home. But if you look at my calendar, I mean, I'm out just about every day at clients because we have projects going on. So I'm out, you know, meeting and going or prospective clients as well. So you don't need an so, elaborate home office. No. You're not meeting there. No. And have no. you ever considered a co-working space? No, no. Because I, I don't have, um, um, I, I've, I don't know why I would want to spend the money on it. I'm cheap, man. I'm a penny pinching, <laughs> you know, even... We once thought about like, oh, maybe I should have an office, you know, just even like in my home office, I can get like a rent a office somewhere for myself. I'm like, why would I be paying a few hundred dollars a month in rent even yeah. when I'm not, I can just as well do this from home. And again, for all business owners that, that uh, I've learned this from smart people, my whole life is about trying to keep my business overhead as low as possible. Yeah. You know, you've got flexibility. It's hugely important. Another recession or... It's coming. 
all of a sudden people decide they don't want CRM systems It's anymore. true. And every business owner walks around you know, worrying about when that cliff is going to come. Even the most successful clients that I have, uh, you ask any of them and they're like, well, we're pretty good for the next four to six months. But after that, I'm hoping <laughs> the customers keep going. You know what I mean? So we all walk around with a little bit of panic. And uh, one way that you can kind of alleviate that panic is by having a little bit of a, you know, just keeping your overhead as low as possible. Yeah. So you just know that if things really, you know, hit the fan, you can still operate, you know, inexpensively. Exactly. All right. We're going to get to questions after we hear from our sponsor. The Small Business Ahead podcast is brought to you by the Business Owner's Playbook. Whether you're a seasoned small business owner or just starting out, the Business Owner's Playbook is your go-to destination for how to run your business. From business plan templates to advice on managing employees, the Business Owner's Playbook features up-to-date, sound advice on running your business. Okay, our first question is from Benny from Brooklyn, New York. I love when the names... Benny from Brooklyn? What is this, out of the sandlot or something? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, first question. Benny from Brooklyn. I have this employee who seems like a really good guy. Hardworking family man, you know the type. But lately, I'm beginning to feel like he's stealing from me. Uh-oh. I don't have any hard evidence, <clears throat> just a sneaking suspicion. I want to confront him, but my wife says that's not a good idea. How should I handle this situation? Very, very carefully. But Gene, you have a trick to catch people. Yes. Uh, this trick I learned back in my accounting days. Um, everybody, here's the trick. The trick is vacation. That's the trick. Uh, everybody <laughs> in your company should be required to take vacation, particularly those that are in a financial role with inside of your company as well. Because if you go and you look in the newspaper, and I have this morbid fascination with people that steal from their companies. Like <laughs> I, I find it fascinating like how they can do that and then sleep and not be freaking out. They're going to be caught and all that. Um, but if you look in the newspaper about you know the bookkeepers that get caught stealing from the companies, the accounting managers, or the payroll clerks or whatever, um, it's always because they were away on vacation. And when they were away on vacation, somebody else had to fill in and do their job. That's and, like what they call an elegant solution. Mm, like just put someone on vacation. Just yeah. require people to go It's required. So when you have like a financial person say like, oh, I'm working hard. No need for me to take a vacation. Yeah. You can rely on me, whatever. No, no, no. You're, you're taking a vacation. <laughs> and wherever. And then like, you know, and you'll see like, you know, within a few days, you've got the bookkeeper say, well, you know, since Elizabeth's been on vacation, I've noticed I, there's this vendor called Elizabeth Co. I've never heard of this vendor before. And we seem to be sending checks to them every month. Uh, it uncovers certain things. Now, um, back to Benny's question, right? He's like got an employee. So we don't know what role this person's in. So if this person's in a financial role, that's easier. Say the person's like in a warehouse role or just not like maybe stealing inventory, you know, or whatever. So, you know, first of all, you, don't be stupid. I mean, lock up your stuff, right? You know, don't give any employees, you know, any incentive to walk away with materials if if you keep it keep it away so go around and lock it up so that you don't have this stuff lying around so that's the other thing. and then finally most companies that i know particularly if you're in retail where you are exposed to not only theft from people walking in your store but also from employees you get security cameras laying around you in systems and right now not the spur of my mind um, I do have a few good security systems inexpensive that I can recommend. Let's check the show notes. And Elizabeth, okay. remind me. I'll give yeah, you a definitely. list of a few good security systems. Everything is recorded. Um, you can be checking nowadays all security systems that you get now. They're not only they inexpensive, like a few thousand bucks, but you 
you can watch everything going on in your business from your iPhone. You know, they're all cloud-based. It's fantastic. Um, and they're recording what's going on. And so if you have suspicions that this person's still stealing from you, and even if you've tried to safeguard your assets, you've got, you know, another backup to try and catch up in the act. Now, what kind of position would it be really hard to figure out someone's stealing? Mm, that's, it depends if, um, if somebody is around assets, financial or inventory, that's the easiest ones. Mm -hmm. If they're not around any assets, like a customer service person, you know, somebody that like, what would they steal other than office, office supplies? supplies? Yeah, that would be probably the hardest position. Now, would to you confront up. someone about office supplies? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to office supplies, that happens in all of our, right? Everybody steals office supplies. People do it not even thinking it's stealing. Yeah. They're just like, oh, I'm going to take this pen home. Yeah. Everybody, everybody steals office supplies. It's just, it's just the fact that it's, like, it's almost like a perk of the job is that you don't yeah. have to pay for pens anymore. So, first of all, I think as a business owner, you gotta like give a little bit of leeway to that. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's just real. Yeah. Now, look, if, if you got somebody your point that's working out of your company with a printer, you know what I mean? Then okay, maybe you you kind of draw the line there. Um, but look, as far as office supplies are concerned, same deal. It's it's a value to keep it locked up in a closet. Have the office manager with a key. It's the only person that can get access to it. People have to request their office supplies that, yeah. that that will help reduce you know stealage of office supplies. i would think the office manager would be the most difficult person to catch yeah i mean people in authority yeah. are very tough to you because know because everyone grab them. always assumes that person oh they got it like they got it like and if an office manager goes on vacation some offices totally fall apart. Yeah, I mean, that's true. They can't true. find anything. That's true. So it would be very hard to catch that person. That's true. But I think as the business owner, you've got to be on top of that. And what do you think is a is a good amount of time for vacation? Because mm. when I worked at a bank, <clears throat> I worked on Wall Street, and there was a, a law that people at a certain level had to take two weeks off, so 10 consecutive business days wow. for this reason. It was mandated. Right. You have to take that time off. Right. Um. But in a small business, like a lot of people aren't taking 10 consecutive business days. No, I would recommend um, three months consecutive. I think you could probably figure it <laughs> yeah, out. That'd then. be awesome. That'd yeah. be awesome. Um, no, first of all, you have to be reality uh, you know, in, in a small business. You're, you're not going to... You're not going to require somebody to take two consecutive weeks yeah. off. I mean, that's really tough for any size business. Um, look, I mean, I, I think you, you got to require a vacation being spent. Um, but I do think it is important you bring up a good issue. There should be a minimum number of days. So people say like, oh, well, I'll just take a day here and a day there or whatever. I, I actually think, again, it gets back to the role that the person's in your company. Um, but I think requiring at least a week consecutive, five business days consecutive, I think is a good internal control to have. Now, once you have your evidence that this person is indeed stealing from a company and you're going to confront them. You push them against the wall and pummel <laughs> them repeatedly until they beg for mercy. It always seems kinda, to work. I, I mean, is that the kind of conversation that you should bring a lawyer into? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's also um, an interesting conversation. Um, you know, listen, if you've got evidence of a person stealing, you know, from the company. I mean, literally like videotape evidence where it's, you know, refutable. Um, I'm assuming you're going to have, you know, you have a policy in your handbook that that kind of behavior is, you know, immediate termination. I don't know if your lawyer, you have to have a, a, an actual lawyer come in if you're going to terminate somebody under the circumstances. You consult one. You would certainly consult one. And I also think that you would, um, you don't want to have that conversation alone. So not only just for your protection of your own, you know, physical well-being, there's other person going to react. But um, whenever you're going to terminate anybody, actually, under any circumstance, you always want to do it with your HR person, your controller, your accounting manager, somebody else. It should be at least two of you guys that are having that conversation. 
Okay. So that's definitely not an easy conversation to have, Benny. So I understand your wife saying it's not a good idea. But if you have evidence, if you've done your due diligence, mm-hmm. like you owe it to your other employees and yourself and your company to definitely uh, terminate that yeah, person. Yeah, true. So, but, but Benny, you want to just reduce the risk of, you know, take away all incentives and motivations for this guy to be stealing from you. Lock this stuff up, right? Require vacations. And then if you still think it's going on, you got to get evidence though. All right, great. We're going to be right back with another question after we hear from our sponsor. Are you looking to expand and grow your small business, but don't have time to keep up with the latest trends in technology? We've got you covered with the weekly Small Biz Ahead newsletter. Sign up today and start receiving our weekly email chock full of the latest tools and resources to help you run a successful business. Find us at smallbizahead.com. Okay, we've got Barbara Ann from Santa Barbara, California. There should be a song about that. I remember there being something. I believe it's the Beach Boys. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Her question is, for 25 years, my husband and I have owned and operated a surf shop in Southern California. But lately, that's like the dream. But lately, we've been talking about retiring. We have one child, a daughter, who has no interest in taking over the shop. She's Hmm. a fancy lawyer in L.A. Okay. Do we just close it up or should we try to sell it? Well, that probably depends on (laughs) if you have a CRM system. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, do we close it up or try to sell it? I mean, first of all, my inclination is if you can try and if you can sell it and get some oh. money for it, then sell it. I mean, come on. It really depends on um, on the business itself. I mean, if it's a viable, sustained business, if it's got a brand and a name, if it's got fixtures and inventory, and if it's got um, also if you've got like a lease that goes on for a certain period of time. I mean, for goodness sake, I mean, I, you know, there could be very much somebody else that is interested in going into that business. So I would sell it. I would look up and Google business brokers in the Santa Monica or the Los Angeles area, because there are plenty of companies that do brokerage services. I would visit, there's a great service on a site called BizBuySell. It's B-I-Z-B-U-Y. S-E-L-L, that will be in the show notes as well. Um, And Biz Buy Sell is a a service for business owners looking to buy and sell businesses with information, uh, blogs, education, and of course, a network of uh, brokers and services that can help you do that. Yes, try and sell it. If you can't sell it, sell pieces and parts of it if possible. And if that still doesn't work, then shut it down. I mean, definitely sell the inventory, right? Sure. I mean, that, that's probably your most valuable asset. Sure. If you do have a CRM, though, what would you price that at? You can't. I mean, it's a, you're, you're, if you have a CRM system, we've talked about CRMs in the past about how customer relationship management systems, they're like a, a database of, you know, of all the customers and prospects in your community for your store. If you've, been, you know, if you've got a nice database of, the, of all that, uh, that is a value to somebody, but it's an intangible value. So um, that's really going to be up to the buyer as to how much extra they're going to they're going to pay. It depends on how good your database is. Depends on how much you're trying to sell the entire store for. But it's a good chip to throw into the transaction. Great. Okay, we're going to hear from our sponsor one more time, and then we will be back with Gene's word of brilliance. Running a business is challenging, and you probably don't always have the time to research new strategies, market trends, and develop skills. But imagine if you could have all the latest information on running a business delivered to you every week. Luckily, there's the weekly Small Biz Ahead newsletter. We offer some of the best information available for business owners, ranging from topics such as time management, game-changing technology and apps, to developing management and leadership skills. Sign up today for the Small Biz Ahead newsletter at smallbizahead.com. Okay, so Elizabeth, I've got a really good word of brilliance. (laughs) 
and I think you're going to like this word of brilliance as well. The word of brilliance today is Dyson. Dyson. D Y S O N. Have the you? Vacuum? Th- not the yes, the company that makes those great vacuum cleaners. But do you know what else Dyson is up to? Are you familiar with this? No, you're no. you're you're a woman who right very much cares about your appearance. Dyson is coming out this fall, and in fact, it might already be out for all that we know, um, with a hairdryer. What? A fantastic hairdryer that they have already announced. They're going to launch it. They're selling it, I think, in Japan, but it's going to be coming up in the U.S. this fall. It's going to be launched. $400. What? For a hairdryer. What does it do? $400. Now, let me ask you, you just, you're asking the big question is, um, what does it do for four hundred? The typical hair dryer that you can buy today ranges between twelve and thirty-five bucks. Why? Mm, no, no, no. More no, than that? Are you no, saying more than no. I searched this on Amazon recently? There's Listen, I don't have much hair, so maybe I'm not the wrong guy to talk about. There's a market for hair dryers that's in the one to two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, range. that's interesting. Yeah. I'd say, that, is it a fair statement to make that the most popular hair dryers are probably between twelve and thirty? Yeah, and the typical. I think the, the typical. Like ones, how much did you pay for your hair? Dryer. Uh, I think mine was like one twenty. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, Jeez, yeah. I got to check on what Hartford's paying their people. <laughs> this sounds like a pretty good company to work for. I, you know what? I bought mine a while ago. It's a really I don't remember what the brand is, but it's mm. great and it cuts my hair drying time down in half. So to me, that's worth it. What if I told you that this is the best of the best of hair dryers? It is. It is lightweight runs great, will last virtually forever. Um, Does it not, even even with all of that, does it still not sort of, you know, give you, like entice you a little bit to find out more about what what is a $400 hair dryer that interests you? Yeah, I mean, doesn't that, it sparks your interest. So not only that, but Dyson, not only did they announce this, the $400 hair dryer, they also, remember their Dyson vacuums are priced very expensive as well. Very expensive. Very, very successful vacuums because they entered in a market where there was a bunch of vacuums already there and basically they just produced a better vacuum. And the lesson is, um, where Dyson, I think Dyson's going to completely succeed with their hair dryer. I think people will spend $400 on a hair dryer, particularly if they know that they're going to have it for a couple of years and if they feel good. I mean, you blow dry your hair every day. It's yeah. like, it's the thing that you do. So what did Dyson do that was really important that we should all know as business owners? Number one is they picked an existing market. They're not trying to you know, recreate the wheel or come up with something that nobody's ever heard of or have to educate the consumers. They, every, there's zillions of hair dryers around. Many people have them. So they picked an existing market and they said, you know what? We're going to make a product that's just better, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're not in there anyway, but we're going to be the best at this thing. It's like what Apple does. Yes, that's right. Because there were smartphones that were going way before that, Apple for the iPhone. So we're, they were fine. They were fine. Nobody said, we're, we're saying like, oh my gosh, we're missing, you know, all these things. It was Apple that was innovative enough to do that. Dyson is looking at just the simple hairdryer and saying, you know what? This can work faster, cleaner, be more environmental, be lighter, be more, you know, more of an enjoyment and a pleasure to use, you know, for our customers. Oh, blow drying your hair is the, the worst. worst. Yeah. I see my wife does it every morning. She looks miserable when she's doing it. Yeah. So everybody hates it. So it entices. It would entice any person who blow dries their hair. So they picked an existing market and said, we're going to come out with a product that's just that much better. And the second thing that they did is they are, they're, they're pricing. They're not discounting it. They're not trying to be competitive. They are taking the BMW route mm-hmm. and basically saying, listen, you want the best? You're going to pay for the best. I'm probably going to buy it. And you're probably <laughs> going to buy it. Because why? You're going to treat yourself. 
You, Elizabeth, a very rational, smart person, are going to make all sorts of reasons why it's worth it because yeah. it makes you feel <laughs> good and better buying it. Um, your, your, your boyfriend, significant others will buy for their significant others because it's a very special thing to do. So don't be afraid to price your product up higher than all the competition. Don't be afraid to come out with a product and say, this is the best product in the business. But the and thing here's is, why. it does have to be the best. Because if I spend $400 on a hairdryer and I end up going back to my So true. You're going to be annoyed, aren't yeah. you? So there's a gamble that you're involved. You know, Dyson spent millions. They spent four years in engineering this hairdryer. And by the way, they're using the same technology. I forget what it's called, but it's the same technology that's behind the vacuum cleaner the oh, whole air filtration yeah. blower well, you know whatever yeah so they, they leveraged off what they existed what they already did but you're right it, it better be worth it now listen people pay a lot of money for a bmw and everybody i talk to who owns a bmw says yeah we get it it's worth it this yeah. is like a great driving machine you know so i think you know as long as they meet up to what their expectations are it'll be a big success so and my brilliant word of the day is Dyson. Dyson. All right. So for all the business owners out there developing products right now, don't be afraid to charge a lot for them. That's right. And also, if you're thinking of developing a product, go to an existing market and, just and do it better. make something better. All right. Great. Well, thanks for joining us this week on the Small Biz Ahead podcast. Gene, for, thanks for being here. Thanks for, for having me on. And if you have any questions, you can submit them to us via our Twitter feed, which is at Small Biz Ahead. Give us your name and your location and your question. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.